Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Hello, today I get to introduce you to Rebecca George. She is of Radiant, Radiant? Is that what it's called? Radiant. Radical Radiance. Rad, the there we the go. Rat, I knew that was a good alliteration. I was an English teacher, so I do appreciate a good alliterative phrase. Radiant, say it again. Radical Radiance. Radical Radiance. And we want to hear about that and why you chose that. That's, that's your mm-hmm. podcast, but you also have a book just out that we are going to be giving away a copy. Thank you so much for that. Rebecca, let's start. Well, first, well, there's so many things I want to ask you, but um, it says here that you um, love to share resources to help us shine the love of Christ. There's that radiance mm, right there yeah. to the world around us, which to me is what the Great Commission is all about, um, yeah. to, to leave someone better than how we found them. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But that whole radiance thing, because Jesus is the light of the world. And so if we have mm. this opportunity to uh, partner with them. I mean, what a, what better way to live, right? And yeah. those who are maybe feeling a little down in the uh, in the darkness today or in the doldrums, I know you're going to be encouraged. So Rebecca, mm-hmm. first, uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from, your family, uh, yourself, and then we'll get into uh, Legacy. As you know, it's a Legacy podcast and your book and your mission statement. Can't wait mm-hmm. to hear more about that. So go ahead, Rebecca. Absolutely. Well, I'm a Tennessee girl, which you quickly picked up on as soon as we connected on this Zoom call. And so me and my husband live just right outside of the Smoky Mountains, just a beautiful, beautiful area in East Mm. Tennessee. And it's been home to me my entire life and to my husband most of his life. Mm. And my husband's a pastor. So a little bit about me, who I am. I'm a pastor's wife and a speaker, author, podcaster, just like you, Sue. I love what we get to do and encouraging women in uh, just like you're saying, the Great Commission and how do we go and make disciples and what does that look like in our everyday lives? And so you picked up on a lot of of what the Lord has shown me over the last few years. A few years ago, I read through scripture chronologically mm-hmm. and I was just so enamored by this idea of light and radiance that mm-hmm. we see traced through all of scripture. And there was a verse in Psalms that just really got me and I kept coming back to it, it was Psalm 34 verse five, and it says, those who look to him are radiant Mm -hmm. and their faces shall never be ashamed. And so as I was praying about where the Lord was leading my podcast and what he would, you know, have me to have as sort of the banner umbrella of the conversations we would have that would fall underneath that umbrella, the idea of radiance and what it looked like in all that we do right? Because we see that biblical command of doing all things to the glory of God and all that we do, we look to him. And in that looking, um, he is the one that makes us radiant. And uh, because of what 
just because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we can walk into our lives free of shame of our past sin. And um, just all of those reminders that that verse brings were so powerful, even in my own life, that um, it was kind of the banner, like I said, that I, I sensed God would have me have all those conversations fall underneath. So that's the podcast. We release episodes every Tuesday, and that's such a joy. Um, as I know you know, Sue, it's so fun to get to connect with fellow writers and speakers and have those special conversations. And yes, I also have a book release. It has released this year by the time people listen to this, that is called do the thing gospel centered goals, gumption and grace for the go-getter girl. And uh, similar to that thread that I found in scripture, the thread that sort of weaved across my life is encouraging women in their calling. Hmm. And that's what this book is all about and how to see that from a more gospel centered perspective. So that's, high level kind of where I've been the last few years. Let's go back to uh, radical radiance to the woman listening or man listening right now who feels very less than radiant. Um, mm. I mean, there's all sorts of makeup we can do, highlighters and et cetera, to help us look on the outside. In fact, uh, when we're around Christians or even our friends, our acquaintances or go to church, we might put on a certain type of light because we feel that that's what it is expected of us. But what do you say to the person listening mm. right now who feels less than radiant? Yeah, I would first say I've been there. And that's probably why this scripture encourages my heart so much. And I would then say your radiance in Christ has absolutely no bearing on your physical beauty right? We look to that verse of those who look to him are radiant, Psalm 34, 5. And so what that tells me, Sue, is when I abide in Jesus, when I look to him, what happens in me is radiance, right? It's not something that I strive to achieve. It's not something that I work to earn the favor of man in or anything like that, which is probably what we're feeling in what you're describing of somebody who might be coming to this conversation a little discouraged today. But I would just argue that the radiance that Jesus brings through us is, is only because of him and what mm -hmm. he did and how he's transformed our lives. And that actually feels really freeing to me when I don't feel in, radiant. In what right? way? In what way is it freeing? Yeah, it feels freeing to me because it has nothing to do with what I have achieved mm -hmm. or what I have strived to do or what I have. Um, it has nothing to do with anything about my physical beauty, mm -hmm. as you're describing. Right. Well, I, I was thinking more in terms of feeling down in the dumps more than our physical beauty. But that's you're saying the same thing when we sit at his yeah. feet. Um, I love the Amplified Bible on occasion if I have a lot of extra time because of all the words used. Mm -hmm. Every single word that known to man is used in that version. But it says in that wonderful story of Mary and Martha where Mary is sitting at Jesus' seat, the way feet, the way um the way it is said in the Amplified is that it was to her advantage to sit at his feet. And so when we're feeling down, when I do, when you do. It's to our advantage to sit at his feet. And when we do that, mm -hmm. that's when the reflected radiance of his spirit can can move through us. And it doesn't mean yeah. that I have this great smile on my face. It may be I just feel a little more um, empathy and compassion for those who are perhaps in the same place, but don't know how to get mm -hmm. to his feet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. When I, as you were talking about that passage, I kept thinking of the phrase that always sticks out to me when I read it of she chose the better thing. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. 
when we choose the better thing, when we choose him and sitting at his feet, that's what exudes out of us. Right. And, and I, I will often say like our, our cup in life will be filled with something, right. And we're going to bump into other people's cups and mm-hmm. something is going to spill mm-hmm. whatever our cup is filled with. Right. And so when we look to him, when he fills us up, that's what spills when our mm-hmm. life spills into somebody else's life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to that point of, you know, we all walk into our days and we're faced with these divine appointments, like you're saying of, you know, interacting with people who might be down in the dumps or discouraged or weary. Um, We know that will happen. And so my prayer is just when my pup, when my cup bumps against somebody else's cup, that's what I want to spill. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I often say that ministry is spillage. I heard that years Mm -hmm. ago. And the only thing that's worth being spilled out is Jesus right onto someone else. Um, so that is what automatically spills out when I'm bumped and I'm usually bumped by someone who has something going on in their life that I have nothing to do with, but they might be, um, you know how people strike out because they're hurting themselves. So that might be a bump perhaps that you and I run up against, especially, um, you know, in, even in ministry, not, not especially, but even in ministry or within our own families, like if we're feeling particularly grumpy. I remember my brother telling me years ago that familiarity breeds contempt. So we can Mm. treat those closest to us in the worst possible way because we feel comfortable with them. But we need, I need to be holding them with as much um, adoration and carefulness because of who, Mm. because they are a gift from God in my life. Um, I like your mission statement. I want to ask you a few questions about it. It's on her uh, website. And your website is Radical Radiance, which I appreciate. Because so mine is also a term, Welcome Heart, versus my name, which I thought, you know, everybody's going to their name, but I thought, oh, my name's not that important. God's Welcome Heart is, God's Radical Mm -hmm. Radiance is. So, um, of course, maybe by the time this is, you'll switch it over. No judgment. But um, no current plans for that. Okay, so. great. Life statement to lead. This is your life statement to lead people better than I found them. Now, that sounds like a mother's um, injunction to their kid who's going to have a sleepover, like, you know, or having dinner at a friend's house. Make sure you leave things nicer than you found them, which is a great um, thing. But uh, elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. I heard somebody tell this story and use this phrase many, many years ago, and I wish I could attribute it to them, but they were talking about this experience where they had been in an airport bathroom and there was a sign in the bathroom that said, when you leave the bathroom, leave it better than you found it. Mm -hmm. And he said, he was recounting the story and he said, it just struck me in life, right? Because I'm passing by all these random strangers and God has placed these divine appointments in front of me. And I'm thinking, man, just as I can leave a space better than I found it, can I leave people better than I found them? And so I remember hearing that years ago and it just really struck me and stuck with me. And in thinking about just, um, like I mentioned a minute ago, this thread that has weaved through my life of a desire to encourage and equip women with God's word um, that's what I've come back to of, I pray I, I leave people better than I found them and knowing Jesus more fully, I pray than, than when they met me. Right. And can so, you give us, can you give us three ways, brief, practical ways? Yeah, absolutely. You mean to leave people better than yeah, you found just them? That, just yeah. that part, not the knowing Absol- Jesus part, but just leaving them better than you found them. Cause I think of wiping the counter in a bathroom 
So we don't really wipe people's faces unless unless they're babies. But um, so can you give me three tips? Yeah, love that. So I would say first, um, always have a perspective that's looking for an opportunity to encourage, right? Sometimes it's just about being aware of, hey, God is at work all around me all the time. And how many of those moments do I miss? Mm. And so before we're able to be used by God, we have to be aware of those moments when he's nudging our hearts. Right. And so I think that mindset of, of being open to that and available for God to use, that's where we have to start. That's probably the, the most important thing I could say here. And second to that, wait, wait, I want to say something about that. Yeah. I called, I called that the, um, having a hospitality antenna so that when you Mm. walk into a room, you say, well, who needs to be invited into friendship, into community, Mm -hmm. into, I mean, maybe someone sitting by themselves is hoping I don't sit by them, but maybe someone's sitting by themselves is feeling very awkward because no one has sat by them. Mm. And so uh, a hospitality antenna is the same idea of what you're saying. You're having an encouragement antenna, which is a little more widespread, Mm. but it's the same idea. And I love that. It's almost like I've had people accuse me of being, oh, well, that's just who you are, Sue. You know, and I go, it's not who I am. It's Mm. what everybody is supposed to be. And I get a little angry, which of course ruins the whole encouragement, hospitality antenna thing. But the idea is, you know, this Rebecca, you're you're only 31 and, and you're already starting. Think of all the opportunities that you will have taken advantage of when you're my age at 70. You know, it's a widespread net that we throw mm. out and not everyone wants to be caught, right? Mm. Not everyone I invite wants to be invited. But if I don't initiate it, how will I know who God mm-hmm. is actually wanting me to encourage that day? So mm. I think that's huge what you're saying. I'm so gratified that you have that where you walk into a situation, actually, you just walk into your day, right? It's like that funny adage where this college student wakes up every morning and she puts her feet by her bed and she goes, God, this is Margaret reporting for duty. And it's not a duty that doesn't bring delight. It's a duty that is delightful because Mm. we're, we're encased in the surrender of of God. And I mean, we we get to be partners with him. So I just Mm. love that first one. And I want you to say it one more time. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the key really there at a high level would be just walking into situations, being aware of and available and saying, God, however you want to use me here, I'm yours, right? Speak through me, give me the words. And as you were talking, Sue, it made a quote come to mind from the book that says, the outcome is his, but the obedience is is ours, mm-hmm. right? The outcome is God's. He is at work in and around us all the time, but the obedient next step that we feel that nudge and that, that tug towards when we are in that situation, that's, that's on us, mm. right? So we have that opportunity to be available for God to use. And so I can see yeah. someone hearing that, which is a beautiful line. And I'm glad you said it. Cause I'll encourage people to buy the book, but I can hear someone saying, well, I don't know what he wants me to be obedient to. What would you answer that? Yeah. Yeah. There are moments when that will feel big. Mm -hmm. Right. And we sense maybe God's calling us into a new assignment. Sue, I would, I would wonder when God nudged you to start this podcast, that probably felt really big 
right? Mm -hmm. Like I've never done this before. What all's involved for me to, you know, do this fully to the glory of God. And, and so sometimes it can feel like this big nudge. And then sometimes it's just an encouraging word, or it's you're walking through the checkout counter at the grocery store and you just sense man, this girl's having a hard day. Yep. How can I, how can I take advantage of this 30 second encounter that God's placed before me that in his eyes is just as significant as when I stand on stage and teach the Bible, mm-hmm. right? In the eyes of God, there's no, there's no scale of significance. Like we somehow place on things, you know, here, the side of heaven. And so I think no matter what it is, um, we, we, because we are indwelt by the Holy spirit as followers of Christ, he gives us those nudges, those discerning nudges along the way. Sometimes they'll feel big. Sometimes they will feel extraordinarily small, but they all matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And so that's, that's probably what I would encourage there, I think. And I did ask you for three tips. I think you may have given us three tips in there, but was there <laughs> one other, was there one other one that you wanted to add? Cause someone might be taking notes of wait, Sue said three and I don't get it. No, you're good. No, I, I think, being available for God to use above mm-hmm. anything I, that would lead in to certainly some things that might happen in that, right? Sometimes it might be an opportunity to just love on someone that really needs encouragement. Sometimes it is that they're in that heavy place of discouragement and God just gives us that encouraging word mm-hmm. to give. Um, and sometimes it's serving someone in some way, right? Maybe it's meeting a real practical need that we sense God nudging us to do. And so when you said three things, I'm thinking, how do we love people well? How do we encourage them? And how do we serve them um, in those opportunities? And so as we maybe walk into those moments in the coming days, those are three three things I'd love to ask the Lord, like, how do you want me to love on others? Well, how do you want me to encourage? And how do you want me to serve Hmm. as I walk into my days? And, you know, some days, um, Rebecca, I'm just too tired to do one more thing for somebody. And I was feeling that way the other day. And I, Mm. I I knew a certain person needed continue ongoing encouragement, Mm. right? But he gave me like a pass and I went ahead and took a bath instead. But, um, but later, she reached out to me and said, she's going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, it's her son's winter formal. And could she send him over for my husband to tie his tie? Because mm. his dad wasn't home yeah. to do a dad's thing. My husband was delighted to do that. Yeah. And then while he was doing it, it was so cute. This was the other day. <laughs> and the guy, the young man is only 16, right? And he's all dressed up with this great white shirt and new pants and new shoes. And my husband tied the tie first, showed it to him on his neck, and then showed him how to do it. Mm. And then my husband noticed, he goes, do you have a belt? No belt. Mm. So my husband went and got one of his belts (laughs) and put it on. Oh, that's so sweet. Very fit. But I thought, Lord, thank you. That was such an encouragement to her. Oh, plus I did leave chocolate chip cake on their porch earlier in the day. But but that's an easy thing for me to do. And for someone else, they go, well, I hate to bake. I'm not going to do it like Sue. And you don't have to do it like Rebecca or like me, though you can can buy the cake too. You don't have to make it. All right. I'd like to ask you another question. Uh, What if a person refuses your best efforts to try to make them a better person or encourage? What do you do about that? Mm. 
Yeah, I think that is where I would come back to that idea of the outcome is is his, right? Mm. We don't know how God is at work behind the scenes and we love this side of heaven to see fruit of yes. how God is at work. That feels mm-hmm. really good to us, mm-hmm. right? And so I know for me, if I try to give someone an encouraging word and it's not received well or something like that, I don't get to see the fruit. I sometimes struggle with that, right? Rather than trusting, okay, God prompted, mm-hmm. I was obedient. And so the outcome is his, mm-hmm. right? And so I think we have to remember that, um, Sometimes we get to water a seed. Sometimes we get to plant a seed. Sometimes we get to watch a, a new plant spring forth. Um, those are all beautiful moments, spiritually speaking, in the process of, you know, us being able to be a part of somebody else's life, um, this side of heaven. And, and ha- you know, we get to have those moments. And they won't always result in someone, you know, maybe receiving something well. And we all have those moments. But I think we have to remember that, um, again, the outcome isn't on us. We don't know how God is at work behind the scenes. And we have to trust that, which is really easy for me to say and really hard to live. I realize that. Well, right? I, f- I feel like if, um, I mean, it's beautiful what you just said, and it's so scriptural, but if I always got to be the one who did one of those three things, and that was just my thing, like mm. the reaping or the sowing or the planting of the seed, I would think I was pretty hot stuff that I was the one doing the work. And so the fact that Mm. we don't, you and I don't get to see uh, the results all the time. Uh, It says in John 15 that he chose us and appointed us that we would go. So our responsibility, like you say, the obedience is that we would go Mm. uh, um, and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And it's not really, I'm not going to live long enough to see the fruit that will last. Neither will you on all aspects but yeah. the fact is, it's just faith. It's just faith on our part. And we get the joy of participating along That's with right. that. Um, also, I, I have to say that I really have no, I was thinking about you leaving someone better than you found them. I don't have the work of the regeneration of the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. And none of us do. And so mm-hmm. we we do what God calls us to do, but it's God doing the transforming work in my life which is through obedience and responsiveness to God. Um, But when I I, wait till you have kids, because then you can get disappointed in what you've done. Sure. Worked you so hard and they're not behaving or you see somebody else struggling with that or a church staff person or someone that you've mentored for years and then they turn their back on God. That's really not our responsibility, but we can feel the pride in things turning out well and then feel the discouragement of things not turning out as we had hoped. Mm, Yeah, which just drives us back to our our desperate need for God, right? If, Mm -hmm. If it was all on me or up to me to transform someone's life or, you know, everything that you just said, I would just say amen to, um, that would totally negate our need for him, our deep Mm -hmm. need for him. And so I think anytime I walk away feeling like, you know, okay, God, it is only you that is, is going to transform this heart or use this moment that actually really humbles me and brings me back to my rightful place and God's rightful place. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. 
Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say any pain draws us back to his lap if that's where we've been used to going. Yeah. So if that's a habit of always going, then it's like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Well, I don't know what the result will be, but I know what I'm to do, which is to run back onto his yeah. lap and lay my head on his breast. How can it help? How can your book, which is about, it seems like it's about goal setting uh, in a sense, how can it help us be more like Jesus and reflect him better? Mm, absolutely. Well, I think there's a lot of conversation about purpose and calling out there in the world. I think mm -hmm. as Christians, we have a lot of conversation of, okay, my main mission here and calling is to go and make disciples, right? The outpouring of that, the expression of that is going to look different in each one of our individual lives. And what a gift that is because the church is so diverse in, in how God's given us gifts and talents mm -hmm. to serve him. And so my heart really in this message is to bring together those two conversations, right? What has God given you in gifts and talents that you get to use to advance the gospel and build his kingdom? And, and what does that actually look like in your everyday life when you bump up against these moments in your calling that really challenge us all? So Maybe it's God inviting you into something new. Maybe it's laying something down in order to pursue this thing you feel called to do. Maybe it's one of the moments of fear, doubt, insecurity that we all face in our calling. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily a matter of, oh, if we face these moments, but when we do, are we turning ourselves back to truth um, in order to move forward? Or are we accepting the world's narrative for how to, to conquer fear or, or some of these things? Or are we really seeing God in the fullness of who he is and Jesus and the fullness of what he did for us and and how we get to live out of, out of that place and be faithful in our calling? And so I'm excited to have more of a gospel-centered perspective on our gifts and talents and our calling um, and see what God does in the lives of his daughters as we continue to go back to his word for the answers to that. What about the non-goal setting person when they, would they pick up your book and say, oh, the back is nice. She's pretty. She's probably really smart and Christ-centered, but I am not a goal setter. Um, I'm too tired. I, I, uh, I write goals down and then I forget what they mm. are or where I put the list uh, is this book for them? Yeah, I absolutely think it is. You know, each one of those things that you just described would be a, a totally, certainly a different conversation to have, which I know we don't have time for today. But my heart really is that every, every woman has a calling. Every Jesus follower has a set of unique gifts and talents God has given them to use for his glory. And so we all bump against these moments that we just described in our calling. And, and my heart is, okay, again, where do we turn in those? So if it's overwhelmed, there's a whole chapter on that and what it mm. looks like to really break down something that might feel big in scope into smaller steps so that we're not, we can get out, our head a little bit above the overwhelm so that we can continue to move forward. And, um, so I, I really didn't write it just with the achiever in mind, even though that's me in personality. Mm -hmm. um, my my publisher even really challenged me to think through, okay, if a woman who didn't consider herself to be a go-getter girl, 
read this book, how do we serve and love on her well? And so there's actually end of chapter activities and prompts, prayer prompts, scripture for reflection, um, all sorts of resources that can point you back to uh, the truth that you need as you move forward. And so my heart okay. is certainly that it would serve that woman. Um, which has to do with my next question. Just give me one answer because it looks like you have something for each chapter. But what if someone wants to make goals but doesn't know where to begin? What would be the first or one next thing to do? You hear about the one next thing. What would be one of the one next things that a person feeling like, oh, I don't want to try it one more time, but I, I, I feel drawn to the truth that I have a calling, a God-given calling. What would be one step they could do today? Mm. Yeah, I would say it sounds like this is the woman who's discovering what that thing is for her. Mm -hmm. And so there's actually an exercise that we work through in the book that helps you discover what that thing is and what you might be naturally gifted in to do. And so it's actually a Venn diagram exercise that we walk through. So even without the book, you can certainly grab a pen and paper and walk through this yourself. And there's three circles that we walk through. The first is what matters to you. So mm. thinking through and journaling on what do I feel naturally gifted in? What do I lose track of time doing? What do I enjoy doing? The second circle is what matters to God. When we look to his word, what do we see that matters to him? And then what matters to other people? What's a practical need I see in the world that somehow, some way, what matters to me lines up with that in a way that I can serve other people. And so the intersection point between those three things is is typically a pretty good breadcrumb trail of where hmm. God might be leading you. So that's a fun exercise to work through if you never have in terms I of discovering that. it. I could have used that. Well, I did. I talked to a 24 year old last Monday who doesn't know what to do with her life, but she's not a follower of Christ. Mm. So I, I did talk to her with that first one about what, what gives you joy, what, mm. and I heard all different things that I hadn't heard just from our brief encounter at the gym. I just had met her at the gym and mm. she just needed a little, I said, I'm old, like I'm not all wise, but I think I might be able to at least listen to you. Mm. And so, and then I prayed at the end for her. Mm, that's but awesome. um, but it's that's just an opportunity that you can do too. That's one of those things where you have your antenna up. Yeah. And then I thought if she would have felt awkward, then she wouldn't have said yes. But she did say, When can we meet? Mm. When can we meet? See, that's, that's when great. you know God is following me. Um, how do you keep uh, this book from becoming one more thing to do for God versus being who he wants you to be? Mm. Let me clarify. As a reader? As a reader, I mean, it would be kind of going along with what we're saying for the person who feels, well, I'm already doing a lot. How is yeah. this book going to relieve that burden, alleviate a burden and make you more concentrated on who God wants you to be, not just doing for him and producing these goal setting things. Mm, yeah, that's a great question. And I would actually say a lot of the books I had read previously um, sort of informed what I didn't want this book to be, right? Ah. I didn't just want this book to be another purpose calling type book that's filled shelves and we've spilt ink over for for so many years, right? About 20 years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I really wanted this to be a message that informs us more on our identity in Christ, who he is and the greatness of his character that informs again, our identity. And then out of that place, 
we're able to go and make disciples and serve and and do the thing God's called us to do. And so while the title might entice the type of girl who is a go-getter achiever type personality, I hope certainly what she finds within the pages of the book is a lot deeper than that. And, um, quite literally what you're saying doesn't give her more to do, but a better awareness of who God has crafted her to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to know that from age 31 on, we'll just only um, encourage you as a believer for Mm -hmm. the rest of your life. God Mm -hmm. continues to strip things away from me and my sin and how I need to come to him humbly every day. So there's always much more to learn. But if you Mm. could start at your age, knowing that, hey, I have a calling. And as you grow older, you practice doing different things. And then you start retracting Mm -hmm. and say, well, that is not my calling. And that's free. It's like what you said. It's it's a freedom to do how and what God wants you to do. And not only that, you develop new, new, um, I would say new expertise Mm. as you practice. And then you learn to lay them down when it's not the right season. You know, this is a legacy podcast. So I wanted to end with these questions. What legacy do you want to make sure that those who know and love you um, know about you and learn from you? Mm. Yeah. The thing that comes to mind as you say that it's such a big question, right? (laughs) Um, I hope similar to what we we spent quite a good deal of time talking about earlier in the episode, I hope that people would say, Rebecca had a legacy of encouraging me and pushing me closer towards Jesus. I don't think there's anything more important. I could say there's certainly an, uh, certain expressions of what that's maybe going to look like in different sure. seasons of my life, but I think that's the thread, mm-hmm. I hope. And how are you going about living that right now? Not mm. waiting until after you're dead. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, I think as much as it depends on me and how I spend my time, I pray that that's the truth, right? I, there's certain areas of life that God's called me to to serve in, whether it be as a pastor's wife alongside my husband and inside our local church, whether it be on my podcast and in my writing and speaking. Um, I would say those are a, a handful of the expression of that in this season, and, and I trust that God will continue to um, allow opportunity for that, even mm-hmm. though it might look different in different seasons. That's a beautiful thing. It, it's a beautiful thing. And, um, and it does take trust because you, we, yeah. we, at any age, we have this vision of who we are. Um, and if you're trusting God, you go, wow, that vision is, didn't turn out exactly the way I thought it mm, would. And yeah. it doesn't really matter as long as we're leaning on him. Um, but at the time it, it could matter to us. And it's just another thing of laying down for him. Sure. Uh, any obstacles that you had to overcome or challenges to face to leave this type of legacy? Mm. Yeah. The, the one that comes to mind is when assignments change, right? Mm. I think sometimes when God calls us into something, we think it's going to last forever. And, uh, this is too long of an example to share because I know we're wrapping up, but there's a story in the book where God asked me to lay down a ministry opportunity that I had had done for many years. And it was really close to my heart and it was really hard. Yeah. And um, I think one of the the obstacles I've overcome over the last few years is really surrendering even those things to the Lord, right? When he asks us to move on from something in order to create space and capacity for how he wants us to serve in the future, um, that can 
can at times be filled with guilt and shame, right? Of, oh, I thought this was going to last longer than it did. But there was actually a really sweet moment that that came actually in a conversation with my mom. And I tell this story in the book where she, I didn't need her permission to move on, but we had a really special conversation that I recount in the book. Um, and and so that's, that's an obstacle that comes to mind uh, kind of primarily that I, I don't think we talk about enough, mm. right? When God well, calls us out of things. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great um, concept that we do forget about, Rebecca. And um, what came to my mind was not only guilt or shame, but um, pride. I, I've had to lay down my pride because yeah. I figured I figured out that, and and from the pain or the grief of letting something go, what that mirrored back to me was that my identity was in what I was doing versus yeah. then whose I was. And that, oh, I'm not going to be called the assistant director. I'm just called the assistant to the director. I mean, mm. it sounds like it's the same, but I knew it wasn't. And mm. I thought, wow, I care about that. That shows I'm too proud. And that I feel like my identity is based in my role. That could yeah. be in a relationship or in a job or a career or ministry. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's amazing how Satan so easily trips us up when we're doing ministry. You know, you yeah. think it would just be easy sailing because we've given our lives to God. Oh, no, he'll choose anything to yeah. uh, get our eyes off Christ and onto ourselves. The last question is, how does your life uh, reflect the welcoming heart of God? Mm. And I don't wow. mean just hospitality. I mean his heart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pray that this is true. I mean, to, you did such a good job of asking really great questions throughout the interview. We've, I feel like we've trying to think of how I can add to what we've already talked about, but as I think about God's heart and his heart for us as kids on this side of heaven, um, that scripture from Psalms comes back to mind. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered in shame. And so just this thought of, um, what a gift it is when I look to him, when I seek him, when I abide in Jesus. That's what allows me any level of of light or radiance that I'm able to exude onto the lives of other people, uh, this side of heaven. And so I think that comes to mind. And that's that's my hope. That's my prayer. And I we certainly do that imperfectly, right? Right. Um, but that's that's my hope and my mm. legacy. Well. Uh, what an encouraging conversation this has been. I know it will um, encourage those who are already looking to Christ, mm. but also encourage those who are stuck yeah. and thinking, well, I don't think my life is that worthwhile. I'm 47. I'm 62. I don't know what to do next. But hopefully mm. um, the thing to do next and always is to sit at the feet of Jesus. And uh, Rebecca, you're going to be giving away um, a copy of your book this week. So I just ask you listeners to leave a comment on Instagram or on the blog or on uh, Facebook, those three places, and you'll be entered for the giveaway. Give us the title of the book one more time and then also where people can find you. Sure. It's called Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl. And as far as where you can find me, I release episodes on the Radical Radiance podcast every Tuesday morning. I'd love to have you listen over there. And you can hop on over to RadicalRadiance.live um, to access any of my bonus resources or to get in contact with me. Oh, yeah, I noticed you did uh, some beautiful free resources. So go over there. Radical Radiance. Thank you, Rebecca George. You've been on Thank you, Sue. 
Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.